Turning your Bibles tonight to the fourth chapter of St. Luke. We appreciate you being here tonight, visitors, home folk. It's always good to get together to worship the Lord. Jesus had just got through ministering a scorching message to the pharisaical individuals and they rose up to throw him out of the city and they led him to the brow of a hill that overlooked the city that they might cast him down headlong but 30th verse says but he passing through the midst of them went his way. However, that's not the subject tonight. 31st verse, and, and came down to Capernaum, city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath day. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. Remember, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God. You see, they knew Jesus better than individuals that were supposed to be his followers. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out. Father, it's a privilege to stand again in your presence. Father, and also in fear and in trembling, we come again to handle the awesome word of God. I pray, Father, that we can handle it carefully. That we could do you justice, Father, in it, and we know that the only way we can do that is to be led by the Holy Spirit of God which dwells within us. So you anoint us tonight, Father. You anoint the hearts and minds of those who listen, that the Word of God penetrate, and that we could let the Word of God change us, that we might not be the same when we leave as we was when we came in. We thank you, Jesus. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. First of all, an announcement before I forget it. In the baccalaureate service, they have asked if they can be just one volunteer from the church to serve. So you think about that, and if you can help serve after the, the refreshments after the service, I'm sure it would be appreciated. I want to speak tonight, and I will be using this scripture a little bit later on. Usually you start off with it and that's where you launch out. But I want to use that a little bit later on. But I was listening some time ago to individuals who had uh, really a very bad vocabulary. And I think I counted about 15 or 20 four-letter words that came from their mouth. And uh, I want to talk tonight about four-letter words because it occurred to me that there are four-letter words that are good four-letter words. 
All right, and so oftentimes all we think about in four-letter words is just those that are vulgar or those that uh, simply do not carry a message other than to blaspheme our God or to belittle womanhood or manhood. So I want to talk tonight about the most powerful four-letter word that there is. And I had a hard time with this. I really did, because in reading the Bible, you'd think there's not too many four-letter words in there that you could find that would be powerful that carried a powerful message. But there's so many in there that it's just simply sometimes hard to really define which one does carry the most power. I've run across on several occasions the word come. I knew that was a powerful word because Jesus said to me one time, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And there's power in that word, especially when it comes from the mouth of Jesus. Then I thought about the songs that was sang tonight about the love of God, and love is a powerful word. For God so loved, and he gave us that same word. And then I looked almost at the end of every book with the exception of two and there's a little word there that we omit and that just simply says amen and that word is powerful it just simply means that's the way it is so be it let it stand that way don't bother it and that's powerful to end a message with then we run across the word fear and the bible says fear hath torment that's powerful that word has destroyed lives because we've been fearful in our lives and look for things that are going to happen that never did happen at all. Fear hath torment can destroy our lives sometimes. And then the word gave again brings you back to for God so loved the world that he gave. Not only did he give, but he's still giving. And that's a powerful word. And then the word wait. I can go on and on with all of this. Wait is a word that is powerful for we wait for the promise of God. And a song we sang, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not fail. Teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, to wait. Brother Whalen, it's still Mother's Day. It would be nice if you'd come out and sit with your mother. <laughs> he thought I'd forgot it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I like to look at him because it reminds me there's somebody uglier than I am in this congregation. <laughs> Just kidding. Nice looking boy. Come on out here and, and uh, let, us, let us view your friendly face. And I'm sure your mom would appreciate you sitting there with her. All right. So there's, and I could probably go on and on and on concerning four-letter words that has power. But when it all boils down to the most powerful four-letter word any place, it all boils down to the word, W-O-R-D, word. And when I got to thinking about the word, what is your word? Is it not an expression of yourself? Your word simply reveals who you are. Talk to somebody long enough, and you'll find out who he is, you'll find out uh, what he thinks, and you'll find out what their will and desire is and their concerns are. Just talk to them long enough. So that's what your word is. Simply articulates you, expresses you, reveals who you are. 
And when I got to thinking about that and I turned back to Genesis, and I read an explosive piece of scripture that begins our Bible, it simply says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then I began to look back over the things and I noticed over and over and over again, it simply, it simply says, God said. God said. Why don't I just turn over there with you and see some of the things he said. Third verse, and God said, let there be light. Didn't make a big deal out of it. He just said it. And it goes on to say, and there was light. On the second day, God said, let there be firmaments in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Just a word from God. Maybe a wave of his hand, I don't know. And then in the ninth verse, and God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let dry land appear. Just like that. What are we speaking? He's speaking word. Word that has power enough to bring the universe into existence, set the stars in its place and the moon in its place, and bring this world into order. Now I ask you tonight, is there any words in the midst from the intellectual humanity that can bring these things about? With all his power and with all his might, it simply cannot be done. Hebrews 11.3 says, Through faith, we understand that the world worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. I thought on that a minute, and I thought, what a statement. What a privilege for you and I to know that we are in contact with a God that simply spoke the Word and made what we are living on this planet, the heavens and the earth, by just speaking the word. <laughs> I thought concerning the Big Bang Theory, and I thought that is the truth. There was a Big Bang Theory, but it wasn't when the uh, atmospheric conditions got right. It was when God said, let there be a world, and there was a world. And everything just exploded into the universe, and God's word set it in order. Hallelujah. And sometimes we sat with God's Word dwelling within us, spoken to us time and time again, and we don't realize the power that is resident in His spoken Word. What He actually done was just made this universe out of nothing. Now, we don't understand that because when we create something, we have to have something already existing to be able to make something else out of it. That God didn't have to do that. There wasn't anything else there. God has always been. There's never been a time, I don't suppose, that there hasn't been a God, but there has been a time when there hasn't been an earth, hasn't been a world, hasn't been a creation, hasn't been man, that God said, we're going to see something about that. And so he said it. Let there be a world just like that. And there was a world. Let there be earth. And there was an earth. And he set the planets out there. And then he said, I'm going to make one of the most favorite creatures of mine. I'm going to make me a man. But he's got to have some place to live. 
And so he looks out through all the planets at their ears and said, this looks like a good one. I'm going to make it where he can uh, live on it and where he can dwell on it. And so he speaks and he brings light and he brings growth and he puts animals and he puts mankind and he makes the air just where we can breathe it. And he sets the sun just far enough away uh, that it doesn't scald us. Sometimes I wonder about it if it didn't get a little closer. But he puts it close enough where we won't freeze to death. And he makes the earth where we can be in it and live in it. And he did it by the most powerful word in any language, the word of God. Now Peter has something to say about that. In First, uh, Second Peter 3 and 5, says, For this they're willingly ignorant of, and the world's still that way today. They're ignorant of what God has done. They're trying to understand how come we're in a world. They're trying to understand how man came to be, trying to understand why these things are. And uh, uh, Peter says, They're willingly ignorant of this, that by the Word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that was then was being overflowed with water perished. In other words, what Peter was saying, that this world stayed until God said it's enough. The world could do nothing about it until God said it was enough. He held it by his word. Also he says the heavens and the earth which now are, by that same word, are kept in store, reserved in the fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. In other words, it really doesn't make any difference how many hydrogen bombs, how many atomic bombs, how much the destructive forces of man comes into being, as long as God says it's not time yet, he holds this earth by the power of his word. And then when he says it's enough, he releases his word, and then it's reserved our day unto fire. So you imagine a word spoken by somebody so powerful that it can keep the order of the world into existence. Now that's the power of God. That's the greatness of God. That's how we understand God. But even with all of this, we're dealing with a being that is far above that which we can imagine. We're looking at a God that is awesome, that is powerful, that is omnipresent, that is omnipotent, that has everything in the control. And we stand in awe tonight as we look at God as we see Him in the Old Testament as He does these things. And God wanted so desperately to be able to express Himself to man. He wanted so desperately to reveal his feelings to humanity. He wanted so desperately uh, to show the aspirations of what he desired out of humanity, uh, to, to reveal himself to who he was to man. And it seems like that everything that he tried seemed to be a failure in those areas. He tried to speak through man. He called the prophets and called and spoke to them and tried to let the world know through them of His divine love and how He loved them and how His mercy endured forever. And it seemed like man held Him in such awe and respect that He could not even reach their soul until they really didn't know how He really felt in His heart. And so God desires 
of reaching down and speaking to us tonight, of wanting to reach us, of letting us understand. So he had to reveal himself to us. How is he going to do this? Through his word. Through his word. It should not be a mystery that man has made it one. Verse 1 of St. John 1, and 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. And it says, In the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I want you to look at this real carefully. It didn't say uh, that there was somebody else. It didn't say there was another personality. It just simply said, In the beginning was the Word, was the Logos. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now I ask you, friend, tonight, how can you separate an individual from his Word? When I speak my Word, it is not another personality. It is me. I'm speaking. It's the Word that I reveal myself unto you. And God wanted to reveal His thoughts, His intent, His desires. And so he clothed that word in human flesh and came down and dwelt among us and spoke among us and done the things that needed to be done among us and sent his word. Sent his word. Hallelujah. Powerful. Anointed. With a message and with power to get that message into the hearts of humanity. And what did man have in that little baby in Jerusalem? What did individuals have when they looked upon that little baby boy did not recognize that here God sent His Word. That same thing that He spoke in the beginning and made the world was dwelling, living in that little babe in Bethlehem's manger. And then He grew and He walked among men and they didn't know who He was. And then he ministered, and they didn't know who he was. You see, verse 14 goes on to say, And the Word was made flesh, clothed in flesh, and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So do you have here in this one called Jesus, do you have the third person in the Godhead? Or do you have God Himself in His Word sent to reveal Himself to humanity, to speak to them, to move in their life? And what power there is in that Word. In Psalms 107.20, it says, He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Talking about Israel of old. Sent His Word. Now then, we come to the scripture in Luke. Notice, and they were astonished. Verse 32, and his doctrine, for the word was with power. Sometimes I find it hard to believe that the words that he spoke in the New Testament and the words that he spoke under inspiration that clothed itself in flesh was the same word that set the universe into existence. Was that same power that simply said, let there be light and illuminated the world. And we live on it. Can you imagine a word so powerful that it can throw this thing into space? 
and it can whirl around and whirl around and don't throw you off. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the sun rotating, the moon coming around, uh, the rains coming as they should? Can we understand this? Can it get into our spirit that those are not things that God just did then? It's still His Word. It's still available. And it's still in His church today. It's still powerful. It still wants to reveal the Savior of the world unto us. To make us understand who we are and what we are. And more than anything else, what God wants to make out of us. I get excited about this. I get so excited about it sometimes that I really don't know what to do. And I'm so glad I said that. Hallelujah. I'm just tickled pink. And I was able to say that. And it just really does something to me when I think about the power of God in my life. Hallelujah. I'm glad you heard me say that. Praise the Lord. I'm going to say that more often. Maybe it'll make me feel good. Hallelujah. All right. Look at it. And for his word was with power. They were astonished at this individual that they just called a man. And yet here was what God sent into this world to live among it, to feel like we feel to enter into our sufferings and to reveal His love unto us. To reach out. He gave humanity something to see. Always they have craved. That's what brings idolatry is because man needs to see something. Man needs to form some type of a passion as to what he is. That's what caused Israel to sin in the wilderness. They had been used to seeing a golden calf which represented a God and they didn't see anything. A friend that they felt. And they saw his glory and they saw his power. But it meant very little to them. Do you see God operate? Do you watch him in the wilderness? Do you understand that this is the same God which millions of years ago, God only knows how long. We have a question. Some people say uh, he just began at 7,000 years ago. I'm not going to argue about that. But the fact is that just for the sounding of his voice into eternity, we have a world today. We have a worlds today. We have atmospheres today. We have all of these things that it takes to make humanity a place where he can live on this earth. And can you just see Israel coming out from Egypt and they get to the Red Sea. And God only now, there's been a lot of scholars trying to make it the Reed Sea so that you can just walk barefoot over that thing, no problem whatsoever. But the Bible says Red Sea. And to complicate their theory so much, has been too long ago until right in the deepest part of the Red Sea they found chariots and bones of individuals that had been drowned in the Red Sea and could identify them as the chariots of Pharaoh. And can you just see that great hand of God and His great voice as He spoke to those waters that was minding their own business and doing the things they were supposed to do and staying even with that. And He says, I want you to make a way for my children to get across. And the Bible says, the waters parted and there was a heap on this side and a heap on this side. 
A heap on this side is not bad. But when it's flowing down this direction, to have a heap on this side, where it's just standing, uh, that's something else. Another thing, scholars declare, and I believe that's right, I don't know, three million people had to cross in a 24 hours, hour span of time. And any time you see it, you see just about a half a dozen traipsing across that Red Sea on dry ground. But if we really look at it, uh, they have to have a, a square uh, three miles long and individuals so many abreast to be able to get three million people across that sea on dry ground. And yet God did it by the very evidence of His spoken word. Tell me there isn't power there. Make me understand that God is not God. Try to try to make me evolve from some amoeba or frog or something. As this man said uh, there, and I loved it, he said, some of my own ancestors might have hung by the neck, but not a one of them hung by their tail. <laughs> Hallelujah. And we understand that sometimes. What I'm trying to say is this, God is God. And when he said something, it happens. And can you watch them? Just about the time the last one gets across, God just takes his word, and it just begins to come back the way it was. What held that? The word of Almighty God held that thing. <laughs> then can you just watch them as they murmur and complain? <laughs> It says we don't have anything to eat. And God just says, Heavens, rain something down for these poor people and let them eat something. And manna comes down. And then He says, We got to have some meat. We got to have some meat. Wasn't satisfied with angels' food that God gave. Had to have something for man. And God just spoke to, to those birds and says, uh, Just get down there and feed those poor rebellious people what they want. On and on you could go of the Word of God. And listen, those things happened while the children of Israel was being led out of the wilderness. But now then, something different has happened. God has come down, clothed His Word in human flesh, and walked and talked among mankind until he actually astonished religious individuals. I thought, what a shame. And then I look at us today and his word astonishes us until if we really took it on face value, it would blow our minds. Because we limit him so much. We just simply can't believe that he, if he says it, he means it. If he puts it in here and he moved upon individuals and he had them to write it in here, this is his word. He means what he says. And if he says he'll heal us, does that mean he might do that? Or does that mean he will? If he says he'll bring us salvation, does that mean possibly he'll do that? Or does that mean he will? If he says he'll give us the Holy Ghost, does that mean he might do it? Or will he do it? That's his word. But notice they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. They have never heard a word expressed in such fervency and power insomuch that when they wanted to kill him, all he did was just walk out of their midst. And they couldn't touch him. 
They watched this man as he moved against all the religious pagan principles. And on the Sabbath day, he began to heal individuals. He speak the word, and that's the way it was. And they were so astonished at this word made flesh. And then in the 36th verse, after he had talked to that devil, and said, I want you to get out of there. I want you to leave the man alone. And he would have loved to hurt him. But when he cast him down, cast him out, he didn't hurt him. And they looked around. And they were amazed and spoke among themselves and said, what a word is this? They realized something out of the ordinary had happened and somebody had spoken a word greater and more powerful than they never heard before. I'm going to show you what happens. Centurion's servant was sick. He besought the Lord to heal him. And Jesus, this incarnate Word, Word made flesh, God dwelling among humanity, revealing Himself, expressing Himself, articulating Himself to humanity, showing who He was, what He was, what He desired. And Jesus said, why, I'll just come and heal Him. And that centurion said, I'm not worthy for you to enter into my house. I really don't have to have a great show. I don't have to have... <laughs> and God help us today. We've got our prayer lines and there's nothing wrong with that. And we anoint with oil and bathe them in oil. And we shake their heads off and scream loud in every direction. And Mr. Centurion said, I really don't need that. I'm not even worthy for you to come to my house. And he really wasn't. Because God had said Jesus had come into his own. At that time, and the Gentiles outside had no claim to him at all. And this centurion knew it, and he said, I'm not worthy for you to come. This man as to who he was in the presence of. Something must have reached out and told him, this is not a mere man. And he said, I'll tell you what to do. You just speak the word only. My servant is going to be healed. Now I ask you, saints of God, how many of us are aware that we are in the presence of a spoken word? Has the ability, even sometimes the audacity, to say all I need is for you to say it, God, and it'll be. How many of us can handle this? Very few of us, I don't think, because we have never really realized had this same word that spoke this world into existence, had did all the miracles and all those things even before our time, we simply cannot realize that we still have that in our midst. I don't mean we have to read it. You see, when Jesus spoke, the blind saw. When Jesus spoke, the deaf heard. When Jesus spoke, lepers were cleansed. When Jesus spoke, devils come out. When Jesus spoke, the dead was raised. 
Can you imagine a voice with such power and with such anointing and with such magnitude of power that he could stand by the tomb of a dead man and had been dead for four days and just scream out and said, Lazarus, you're not dead anymore. You're alive. Come out of there. And that which was bound came out bound in grave clothes and that same word and same power said, turn him loose and let him alone. Matthew 8, 16 says, And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed the sick. We have Jesus. I've got a point here. Just stay with me. We have Jesus. A word robed in flesh. We have him coming down to reach the heart of man. We have another purpose. We have humanity that is filled with sin and degradation, separated from God, could not be reached any other way, has no communion with God. And we have this word walking among. Then we have another job for this word. He has to die. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to save us. Somebody's got to redeem us. Sometimes I look at the painless expressions upon us and our dilatory minds and the way we do till I wonder sometimes, God, how much longer are you going to deal with humanity? How much longer are you going to deal and suffer? And you see, sometimes we do. We crucify the Son of Man afresh and put Him to open shame. When Jesus suffered and He died, and He was buried and He rose again and ascended into the heavens, and I like that. But the mystery doesn't end there. Mystery of mysteries. God's Word is still rolled in flesh in the body of His church. That same powerful word that spoke the world into existence that went against all powers of hell that charged humanity and, and led it charge against the powers of the enemy that dwelled among us had ascended into the heavens and said for us to go to Jerusalem and wait there until we be endued with the power from on high. That same thing that came down into us that day was that same thing that filled the body of Jesus Christ with the same word, with the same power, with the same anointing, and with the same caring that God has for humanity. And His word is still in flesh embodied in that. And is still reaching out and ministering and desiring. Yes, He still sends His Word to heal, to encourage, to challenge, to reprove, to rebuke, to fill with His Spirit, to cast out devils, and to make us ready for the Kingdom of God. And I'm wondering 
I know the Bible says in hearing they hear and understand not and I think my prayer has been for these two months while God has dealt with me I thought God how can I reveal you how can I express to my human flesh who you are and what you want how can I articulate Almighty God how can I reach into the most careless heart how can I challenge uh, uh, the most rebellious of humanity how can I reach in to the heart of Christendom and make them realize that we're not serving a God that used to be a God that is going to be and a God that is right now and has made it so that He could still dwell among humanity for 2,000 years since the inception of the Holy Spirit has had Himself embodied in His church. He still sends His Word. He still sends His Word. He still screams and cries and agonizing to reach us. Because he's aware that there's not much time. I thought, God, over these past several months, when the burden of it all has laid down upon me, and I thought, God, does anybody else feel like this? Am I off to myself? Does anybody else feel like that we're just almost right on the edge of God closing the door? Do we ever hear this anyplace else? Does it minister? Is it ministered anyplace else? Does anybody really care? Or am I off someplace in the wild view, blue yonder by myself? Sadistic in thinking and heart and in mind. I'm glad I heard what I did. Because there is individuals that's aware that the coming of the Lord is very soon. And that he is coming after a church that has made herself ready yes. and he is coming after somebody and has understood who he is and what he is and what he desires and when he says it's time to tear up our toys and get down to business he really means it and I thought God is not fun always be seemingly on the negative side of where we live what is happening and by the way lest you misunderstand Sunday night's message no I was not discouraged and I was not mad but I was burdened because if I submit to that type of thinking It'll give you the idea that the preacher was just overwrought a little bit and you won't accept the challenge that he gave you and where you're living. And I want you to understand God was speaking to you. I want you to understand that he may not speak that same thing anymore in the same manner or same way, but he is trying to reach out to us. Amen. He is trying to tell us something. Yes. Yes. It's really not coming from somebody that's overwrought or despondent and discouraged. It's coming from somebody that God wakes up in the middle of the night and speaks words to him 
opens visions to him to make me understand. And yes, you do a little bit, you're a little bit concerned when you speak to people and then watch them so blatantly defy what God has had to say and means nothing to them and continue to walk the same way. My God, listen, His Word still speaks tonight. And He still has to have a carrier for it. Somebody has got to say it. I don't intend to stand before God with your bony finger in my face say you didn't tell me you didn't warn me I don't ever intend to do that because when you stand before him and you go before him with the same mind and the same attitudes and the same live it yourself the only way you want to live it and God simply looks at you and says I don't know you I want you to remember that there was a dumb preacher boy, country boy, that stood night after night, believing you really wanted something, wanted to hear something, and wanted to know what it took in order for you to be able to reach humanity. Listen, saints, there's a world out there of crippled individuals spiritually. There's individuals out there that is filled with leprosy, which is sin. And there's a world out there of lost individuals that need to hear the same word that embodies us and it did Jesus Christ and the same God that spoke it. With the same power. So you see, I'm afraid. I really am. I'm afraid. Because if I ever know anything, if I ever did know anything, I know the vision that God gave me. And I know what He wanted. And I know what He has to have. And I know that you said that's what you wanted to. Now we have a chance to prove it. But might I remind you, you cannot have it carrying the same carnal nature. You see, it's one thing to come to God, and it's another thing to let Him change you. And this He has to do. God sent His Word. Like the Pharisees. 